good morning, everybody. It really is great to be here. It's a real privilege. Uh, I'm playing substitute today. Uh, Joy was actually scheduled to be taking this session, uh, but uh, she didn't want us to get tired of seeing her face up here as she was leading the service, and so I've stepped in. So thank you, Joy, for trusting me uh, with this opening uh, session. I'm really, really excited about this when I first saw, for those of you who don't know, we have a teaching team uh, who serve across the Alive family, and they gather together uh, with Stuart and Irene and talk about the teaching that we're going to look at as a family. And when I first saw this, I was really, really excited because I love Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 was one of those chapters when, I wish I could remember when it was, but when I uh, first became impacted with the truth of the gospel and how it applied to me. I'd been raised on a diet of the gospel of Jesus, but there was that moment, many of you will know what I'm talking about, when suddenly it dropped from here to here, and it was like, this makes sense for me. And I got a Bible. I was probably away at something uh, similar to the one event. It wasn't, it wasn't even Grapevine. We, we, we were rebels and went somewhere else in those uh, years. We didn't even know there was a Grapevine. Uh, so we were somewhere. I remember buying a Bible and Romans chapter 8, the opening verses and the closing verses were the verses that I kind of underlined in my Bible. And it felt a really, I felt like I'd really grown up. I felt I'd made it, you know, because I'd got a Bible and I was highlighting uh, a special bit. It was like that leapt off the page and I thought, this is really, really impressive what this is saying. I love the way the chapter is bookended with our opening passage here, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we're going to consider that truth this morning. But I really love how it ends, and I'm not sure who gets to do the, our sixth uh, bit in the series, but I really love how it ends that there is now no separation at all. What can separate us from the love of God? Can trouble or hardship or persecution? No, because in all these things we are more than conquerors. There's nothing can separate us. So I love Romans chapter 8. And we've called this series A Life of the Spirit because there's a real preoccupation with the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in this, uh, in, in this uh, chapter. Um, it's important for us to remember that the Greek word that's translated spirit is the word pneuma, which for those of you who are taking notes begins with a P, strangely enough. I don't know, it's all Greek to me, uh, but I was rubbish, wasn't it? I'm, real, I'm really sorry. That was pathetic. Anyway, the word pneuma, where it just causes that root word of pneumatic. It carries a sense of, of wind, of air, of power, of energy. Stuff happens. There's a pneumatic energy. And it's important for us to have that in mind when we think of the work of the Holy Spirit. Something happens in us and through us when we are filled with God's Holy Spirit. And as I say, there's a real preoccupation with it in this chapter. You just might find it interesting. I found it interesting when I read this, that in the previous seven chapters, that word pneuma, spirit, will be used eight times. In the following eight chapters, it will be used uh, eight times. Sorry, it's used five times in the previous seven. It will be used eight times in the following uh, eight chapters, but it occurs 21 times in this passage of Scripture. I'm having my photograph taken. Please make this a good photograph, because the photograph we are using on social media right now, 
is absolutely shocking. I mean, I feel as though I need to strike a pose or something, I don't know. But anyway, this word, this word, this, I don't know what to do. This word, just do it quickly. This word spirit occurs 21 times in this chapter, which is actually more times than in any other individual chapter in the whole of the New Testament. So it's really, really important. Let's have a look at this uh, opening passage. Chapter, chapter 8, verse 1 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation. Now before we get into the nuts and bolts of that, we need to recognize that it starts with that word, therefore. And my father-in-law, who was an absolutely brilliant uh, Bible teacher, taught me an awful lot. He always used to say to us, when you see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And so we need to kind of uh, look back. And can I uh, just encourage you to take time to study the context of this chapter? You could do worse things over the next six weeks than just sit in the book of Romans for a while. So if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't really know what to study in my own private time, take time just to unpack. Romans, just read it and read it and read it and soak it in. The letter's written to a group and community of believers, uh, many of whom have been raised on a diet of religious observance, of law keeping, of regulations, of pleasing God or approaching God through a system of things you should do and things you should avoid doing. And Paul goes to great lengths to show how the law, while it's a good thing, and while it can point out sin, and indeed condemns sin, it can never free us from sin. So it can show us what sin is, it can condemn sin in our lives, but it never sets us free. The law is a good thing, but it never deals with the heart of the matter. Now confession time, some of you are going to find this hard to believe, but once I got done for speeding because um, I'm not the fastest anyway, uh, and in my defense, actually this is not a good defense, in my defense I just wasn't concentrating very much, which actually makes it even worse, doesn't it, that I was driving without concentrating. But I, I got clocked doing, I think it was probably 42 in a 30 limit. Uh, it was a journey that I took regularly. I, I was traveling from where we lived in Doncaster to where we work in Mexborough, and my mind just wasn't on the road, and I was clocked on a speed camera, and I had to go to a speed awareness course. You see, the law pointed out the error of my ways, and indeed, I was convicted for it, but I was given the choice of going on a speed awareness course so I don't have any points on my license. That is great. And while that speed awareness course actually was very educational and actually did change the way that I drive, so I am now a lot more focused, I do annoy drivers by doing 30 and 30 zones. They often overtake me and thank me uh, <laughs> as they are overtaking me. But while it has made a slight difference in my life, you see, it hasn't solved the problem because there are still times when maybe I'm running a tad late where I think, well, it's okay to, to just go a little faster. 
uh, there was a bit on the news, uh, I don't know if it was this last week or a couple of weeks ago, about how they're talking about putting speed limiters on cars now. Some modern cars are being fitted with them so that it recognises the 30 mile an hour sign and it automatically slows your car down. However, you can, by stamping on the accelerator, overrule what the car is saying. You see, it can, it can point out how we should be living. It can, the sign may even kind of convict us that we're doing the wrong thing, but it cannot make me, it doesn't change me at all. It won't uh, free me from sin. Verse 3 says, the law was powerless to do it because it was weakened by the flesh, the sinful nature. That's what the NIV says. I was reading this in the complete Jewish Bible, and I love how this puts it. In verse 3, it lacked the power, that is the law, it lacked the power to make the old nature cooperate. It cannot make me cooperate. It can show me what to do, but it can't force me to step into line. It paints a picture of our total inability to live the lives we were designed to live. For the original readers of the letter, they had a sacrificial system. Sorry, I pressed the wrong uh, button on my iPad. I'm experimenting with an iPad. That's not, uh, to be, um, not to be impressive. It's just my eyes can't read print on a paper anymore because I still haven't got my glasses. Uh, the original readers of the letter were used to a sacrificial system. They were used to this system that gave them a glimmer of hope and the possibility of forgiveness and freedom. But as the message puts it, that only ever served as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. You see, rules, regulations, the law, religious observance is powerless to change us. But Paul says what the law is powerless to do, God did by sending his son. And I love the fact that this series is following on the back of last week. The awesome reality and truth of what we were celebrating last week, that Good Friday, remembering the death of Jesus, that Resurrection Sunday, remembering, remembering him rising from the dead, that breaks the power of sin over our lives. I'm just going to nip back to, um, to Romans chapter eight, uh, to Romans chapter six. Listen to these words. I've not got them on the screen. If you've got a Bible in front of you, you might want to look at them. But if you're taking notes, just have a look at Romans 6, verses 2 to, let's go to 7. Paul says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Can I read that again? If we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, 
because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Just as Jesus was raised, and when he was raised, he was the same and yet different. Did you not notice that the woman at the tomb kind of didn't recognize him immediately? So he was the same and yet different. We too have been raised, and as this new life we are raised into is different to as it was before. There is something that is changed about us. So, says Paul in his letter, there is now no condemnation. There is no condemnation because the old you doesn't exist any longer. You are new. You have been raised anew. So now there is no condemnation because you are in Christ Jesus. And being in Christ Jesus opens a way to a life of freedom from law, from sin, and from death. That made me thirsty. It's that good. So we're going to just very, very briefly, and it will be really brief. I don't want some of you thinking, oh, man alive. It took about 15 minutes over his introduction, and now he gets to point one. No, the bulk of the message is actually that introduction. Let's get hold of the truth of the gospel because it's foundational. It's on the, everything else stands on that point. So we've got three incredible truths. The first one is considering our freedom, it is eternal and not temporary. It is eternal and not temporary. If we jump to the end, and I know I keep wanting to go to the end of chapter 8, but it's not mine to do, somebody else gets that, but let's just have a sneaky peek where we're saying that there is, uh, there is no separation. Just have a look at verse 33. These words are amazing. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one is the answer. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. God justifies. Means not guilty. We used to sing a song, I'm justified, I'm justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. I quite like that. So, well, I, I don't think we should resurrect it. I'm not sure it quite fits with where we're at at the moment musically and stylistically. But the truth is great. I'm justified. It's as if it never happened. Because why is it as if it never happened? Because I'm not the same person anymore. That person does not exist. And we need to get this in here and in here. That person does not exist. I am a new creation. So God justifies us. We are not guilty. Martin Lloyd-Jones gives a great illustration of the, the way we can end up living, and it's a mistaken understanding of the truth that has happened. It's a partial truth. It's a truth that says, I recognize that I'm a sinner, and so I come to Jesus, and I repent and receive his forgiveness. And at that point, I am no longer under condemnation. But then I get it a little bit wrong. And I fall and I sin. And at that moment, I'm back under condemnation. 
And so I repent and I receive his forgiveness. No longer under condemnation. But then I get it wrong again. I'm weak. It's temptation. So I'm back under condemnation again. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says, no, that's not our existence. Flicking from one side to the other. Under condemnation today, not under condemnation tomorrow. That's not the reality. Our reality is, I am no longer under condemnation. Even when I sin, I am not under condemnation. Hear me carefully. Conviction may be. Oh, Lord, protect me from never feeling convicted of my sin, but I am not condemned. I am not rejected. I am not sidelined. Oh, Lord, help us. So we need to understand our position. This is a bit of a broken record with me. It seems that every time I get an opportunity to speak, I manage to shoehorn, although this doesn't take any shoehorning, our position, our standing in Christ. And I love the way a great speaker called uh, Pete Briscoe puts it, uh, and I think I've said this before, that sometimes we see ourselves as a sinner saved by grace, which is a great truth, but he says there's something wrong with that understanding of our position. Because I'm not a sinner. I was, but I'm saved by grace. What I am now is a saint who sometimes sins. And you might think it's just a little, you know, we're, we're just arguing over little words, but actually, I think it's a real important fundamental understanding that I am saved. I am not condemned. I am a saint. I am a child of God. I have every right to stand here in front of him. Sometimes I sin, but his grace is sufficient. We put a lot of store in feelings, don't we? But it's less about experience and it's more about our position. And I love the reminder actually later on there in Romans 8 of the reminder of the position of Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That even when I get it wrong, I just love this picture that Jesus is stood there and he's showing the Father the scars and he's saying for him, for him, for him no condemnation. I'm in Christ. I'm chosen. I'm justified. I'm declared not guilty. There's no condemnation. And guess what? No means never. Does this sound too good to be true? Well, point two says freedom is a gift, not a reward. That's why it sounds too good to be true. We've already established that the law can't help us. I can't earn it at all. We all fall short. It is something that he does. Let me illustrate it this way. Judith, have 10 pounds here I want to give to you. Here you go. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Where are you going? You're going to cook my dinner? Oh, why break the habit of a lifetime? Um, but... Um, Too far? <laughs> I, I invited you to, to, to take 10 pounds. You, no, you don't have to do anything for it. It's a gift. Just take the 10 pounds. What? I don't have to go and nope. peel potatoes? Nope. It's fine. It's fine. That's why my mum lives with us. 
<laughs> you see, it's a gift. I mean, feel free to go home and cook dinner. But the tenor's not for that. In fact, notice that. Feel free to go home and cook dinner. There's a freedom that we get, but we, we don't follow God. We don't live to please God in order to earn the gift. The gift is given. And because the gift is given, and I have a right standing before God, it does something in here where I say, now I want to live a different way. You see, my experience isn't in order to affect my position. My position affects my experience. Do we get it? <sighs> so the message says, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. There's somebody else sneaking around taking photographs. Have we got another? Have we got a good one yet? Not sure. Okay. Embrace what the Spirit of God is doing in us. Let's get to point three, shall we? Let's get to point three. Freedom is transformational, not theoretical. You see, it is possible to know this. It's, 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 possible to, it's possible to pass exams on this kind of stuff, isn't it? It's possible to have letters after your name saying, I've been to college and I've studied all this. I've got the theology. When I say I've got the theology degree, I haven't got the theology degree. Some of you are saying, no kidding. Uh, but it's possible to know it all and actually not change anything. That's what happened to me when I was a young lad, when suddenly it dropped from here to here. And it was like, wow, I feel different. Something has happened. I am transformed. So it's not just an attitude of the mind. It's not just head knowledge. It affects how we walk. My position affects my experience. Verse 4 says... The righteous requirements of the law, which were fully met in him, have been met in us. That's amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. I mean, I can wrap my head around the fact that Jesus, who was fully God and also fully man, lived a sinless life. So the righteous requirements of the law were fully met in him. But in me, that's what this is saying. Because I am in Christ, the righteous requirements of the law have been fully met in us because we are now in Christ. So now, notice that, because of this, because the righteous requirements of the law have been fully met in us, now we don't live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. It's important for us to get this. There's a different law at work in us. There's a different law at work in us. A law that doesn't plant seeds of death, but plants seeds of life and seeds of freedom. The law of creation has always been, and I want you to get this, the law of creation has always been that the seeds of future fruitfulness are always there at the start. 
the seeds of future fruitfulness are always there at the start. You'll just read the creative account in Genesis. He made seed-bearing plants. Right there, the future growth, right there at the beginning. When he created Adam and Eve, the seed was there right at the beginning for future fruitfulness. Didn't need anything else adding. It was there right at the beginning. And that's true for us. As we step into this new life of the Spirit, all we need in order to live fruitful lives, holy and pleasing to God, is present from the start. So let's respond today. What's our response going to be? I spent some time thinking on this, and I just thought, you know, I want to make a physical response. So I'm responding today, and I'm going to invite some of you to join me. I'm going to make a physical response to a spiritual truth. So today I'm standing, and I'm saying, yes, for me. I'm in. This is for me. Today, I want today to be a red-letter day. Do you know what I mean by that? A red-letter day, where some Bibles have the words of Jesus in red. I want today to be a red-letter day. I want to respond and say, yet today, I heard your voice for me. Today, I want to draw a line in the sand and say, yet today, I'm going to live from my position. Now, many of you might be like me. I've, I've been in this on this journey for a long time I have responded in this way loads and loads of times and sometimes I think to myself what will people think if they see Steve coming forward to another prayer line again they're going to be thinking that lad needs to get his stuff together but actually I'm not responding today for people I'm responding because I've heard his voice and I'm not hardening my heart and so I'm standing today and saying today is a red letter day today is a day when I'm highlighting it. Today is a day when I'm reminded of my position. Today, I'm embracing the freedom that is offer, in, on offer. Today, I identify with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I say, yes, it was for me. Maybe today you're just thinking, I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I just want a new breath of God upon me. It's not essential, but actually, if you're thinking of living beyond today, it's actually quite important. So I'd suggest that if you're planning on being alive tomorrow, it's possibly a good idea to receive a new breath of God in your life. So if you identify with this message and you want to respond with me, I'm just going to invite you to stand. It's just a, yeah, it was for me. It was for me. Today's a red letter day. Today's a red letter day. Holy Spirit of God, breathe on us, fill us with life anew. Breathe on us. Your death for me, my sin on your shoulders, divine exchange, your life filling my being, new creation. No condemnation, justified. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we pray together? Let's pray the prayer that we always pray. 
It's a great prayer. Every single week I pray this prayer and mean it. It doesn't matter how many times you've prayed it. It's verbalizing what we have just done in the physical. Identifying, saying this is for me. Let's pray this together, shall we? Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. I love that line. I ask for your total forgiveness. If you prayed that prayer, right there and then, the answer is yes. It's yours. It's for you. I'm going to invite people to come to the front in a moment if you would like to receive prayer. But I want to give the opportunity for anybody who, if you've identified with anything that I've said or with that prayer, and you've prayed that for the first time today, I want you just to pop your hand up and let me know so we can celebrate with you. One of my friends can come and, and just stand with you and pray with you just help you on your journey it's a fantastic journey of life of freedom with God so if you did pray that prayer for the first time just be brave enough even if you sat down just be brave enough to pop your hand up in the air it's great Now I'm going to invite anybody who wants to come to the front who particularly wants to receive prayer. I really do believe that the Holy Spirit is present with us and he wants to meet with us. So if you would appreciate somebody praying with you right now, you want to come to the front and just receive a fresh breath of God. Step into fully your identity in Christ. I'm going to invite you to come to the front. Got some people who are willing to pray with you. Yeah, we've got a ministry response team, so if you do want to come to the front, guys, thank you. And so we're just going to end feel free to lead us and if you would appreciate prayer then just come to the front and as we're worshipping and we close our service in the next few minutes you can receive prayer Amen, thank you